You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've actually got a TikTok influencer that I reached out to, and we're going to talk all about his hunting history. Now, normally, a lot of my guests hop on my show because they reach out to me after seeing some of my TikTok videos. And so this is kind of flipped around. But I'm really pumped to talk to Matt. Some of you may recognize him from having a cowboy hat on, sliding down the hallway, doing a bunch of different stuff. And yeah, we're going to hear all about how he grew up hunting, what he likes to do in the outdoors now. And I can't wait to get into this one. But before we do, I need to remind you guys, go check out the nomadicoutdoorsman.com. Click the link in the bios on my, on my social media platforms so you can see the new gear that is coming out and that is currently out. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming down the line, and I can't wait to share that with all of you. The whole reason I did this is because a lot of you have been asking for t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, all that good stuff. So I'm excited to finally share that with you. But we're going to jump into this podcast right now. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dane had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got Matt Merrill, and I ran into him, not into him, into his account on social media, and I kept seeing him sliding down this hallway in his socks and a lot of his videos had a big buck in the background. And I was like, man, I need to talk to this guy. I want to know the story of this buck because at this point he had hundreds of thousands of followers and there's got to be millions of people at this point, Matt, that have seen that buck. That's probably one of the most famous bucks in the world right now. So the, the reason behind that and the reason it all started is, is as I'm learning the social media game and how to maximize everything is I'm like, okay, what can I do to apply to this demographic? What can I do to apply to this demographic? Okay. Well, the, a lot of the guys out there, they're not going to want to see me do, you know, the sliding or, or care. I'm like, let me throw this big buck in the background. I was like, and I see the talking points and you'll see five, 10% of the comments are about the buck. What is score? Which, how'd you get that? Is that your, you know, all that stuff. Yep. And so it just became a talking point. I was like, you know what? I was going to keep recording those those single, you know, non-movement videos right in front of that, in front of that big one, right where we got it mounted. So it was a perfect spot. Man, that's awesome. What, uh, what is the actual story of that buck? Okay. So it's a good story. And, and let me, let me start, let me go in. I'm going to go, we talked about this already, but to your average listener, I'm not your typical hunter. I grew up around hunting. I have a, a huge background in it. My whole entire family travels, avid hunters, go across the country, shoot all kinds of wild game. My dad, you know, everybody. Me, I've always been the lazy hunter. I've always been like, hey, I don't want to get there too early. I'm a couple <laughs> hours. I'm done. I'm cold. Um, I just want to shoot. All I want to do is I love shooting. Love shooting. I love sport. 
I want to go out there. I want to shoot it and I want to be done. I yeah. want to just walk off and somebody bring me my mount in, in a couple months. and we're gonna <laughs> be done. That's me. And I get, that's not everybody, but that's just how I've always been. And so we have a nice little, um, we kind of, we bought these, it's not necessarily a tripod, but it's kind of a custom built indoor stand. And, it, and it's, it's really nice. And I'm sitting, so I'm sitting in this field. This was, I'm going to say 2016, I believe 2016, 2017. And let me tell you, I've never, I never killed a buck at this point. I've killed does. I've, you know, I love the meat. We, we, we go, I just love out being out there. Yeah. I love being out there, sitting around. Otherwise, I'd go shoot guns anywhere. And so I'm sitting out there, and it's getting to, I'm going to say about 4.30. So it's starting to get dark. Sun's going down. And I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty sure I was down looking at my phone, got my AirPods, got my headphones in. <laughs> like, I'm just chilling. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I told you, I'm not your typical hunter. And I look up, and there's a pond bank about 200 yards in front of me. And he is a small little pond there in the watershed. And he is walking on the backside of that, that pond bank. And I have not seen him. This is, this is towards the end of the season. Um, this is rifle. And I had not seen him. We had not seen him on camera uh, or anything. And so he's walking and it, it starts like I'm at like 150 beats per minute. Yep. I'm freaking out. I've got one in the chamber. And so I'm, and I only have one in the chamber. And I don't know why. And I, I, I get it set up and I'm shaking so bad, man. I, I have no, I get, I haven't had this experience really in my entire life since my first dough back when I was like six or seven. And, um, I guess I'm, I probably end up being, I, I, I tell everybody it was around 225. I think yeah. we're about 225 away. It's kind of out of my range of what I've been used to. And so I get it out there and I shoot and I shoot and all he does is go, he just looks up and I'm like, Oh no. I was like, I got to go back and tell everybody he doesn't move. He looks up, looks around. He's older. He, you, you, if you can see him up close and you can see that the, he, he's older, um, great spread, great, great neck. He, he's everything. He's thick, nice. He's, it was his time. Um, and he looks back down and I'm like, oh my God, here we go. So I get the shell. I throw it in there. I'm still shaking. I can barely get it in, close it, get back up, mount it again. And I pull it and I hit him and I hit him a little behind the shoulder and not exactly where I wanted close enough, got him, dropped him. He starts rolling down the pond bank. And I'm like, perfect. So I'm going to chill here for a minute. I'm going to make sure I've got my binoculars on him. I'm making sure that I'm clear. We're good. It's starting to get, like I said, dark. And I got a guy that uh, is kind of like a ranch hand on this big lease. We were on this lease forever. Not anymore, but um, it was like 15,000 acres. We had our own little area that we had that we got three spots of that lease and we loved it. It was perfect. And I called him and I was like, Hey man, I was like, can you meet me out here in my stand? I was like, I got one down. Um, I, I think he's down. I think he's dead, but I can't tell. Um, he dropped. I mean, he dropped and just rolled and I should have known where I hit him too. So I, we, we start walking and we get to right around that pond bank and here he goes, Oh, takes off. Oh, he takes man. off. He, ta- <laughs> he takes off and hits a tree. He runs right into a tree, goes back down, and he's sitting there just breathing. Like he's just laying down, breathing. Listen, an experienced hunter protocol. I don't know what the proper thing is right here. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to do. I was like, right. I was like, let me just shoot him. I was like, I'm just gonna I, I have my pistol with me. And I always have my pistol with me. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't have anything. So I'm standing up, got my I had a seven millimeter and bust him. I bust him again. And I hit him right because he's laying down. It's hard. I hit him right in the back. Your your people are gonna be laughing their ass off at me. This is embarrassing. Um, and uh, but I got him down. He's on my wall. That's all that matters. And got him again. And he he's gonna die. Like he won't die. I have nothing left. Um, we get up there finally to him and just I kind of we get him taken care of and and out and we haul it off and everything. But I'm not. It's, it's, it's kind of a rite of passage, but I'm your hunter. That's never gutted a deer. I know how I've watched it a million times, just never done it. So we loaded up on the back of the, the side by side that we had and got it and got it scored. I think it scored a 152, um, 10 point. He, he's nice. Like oh, I said, yeah. he's older. Um, but for where we are in Eastern Oklahoma, like in the middle of the state, I know it gets better Northern North in Kansas and Missouri, obviously. But that's about as big as they get. I mean, you'll get some, you'll get some little bit bigger ones here and there. Um, 
But the best story of all is I've got a buddy that hunts about, I would say, seven to eight miles away across the interstate or across the highway. And he saw my picture. He saw when I posted the picture. I'll show you. This picture here. He saw when I posted that. And he was like, he goes, let me see that. And, and, and I, I met him one day and I showed him on my phone. I was like, he goes, I've been tracking that deer for two months. He says, since before Bo started, he's been coming on my cameras every single day. Oh my gosh. He goes, I've been, I've literally spent my entire season. My wife hates me. I've been gone every day, every night, every morning <laughs> and looking for him. And I guess he was chasing cause he's long ways away. Oh yeah. But I, I didn't see any doe that day. I didn't see anything. He was just wandering around. And, um, but yeah, he was that guy. He was a really good friend of mine. He didn't talk to me for like six months. Like it was my fault. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, I get it, but you know, I can't, I can't help it. He was mine. I wasn't going to miss it. So it was a cool opportunity. Um, my one and only buck is that one sitting on my wall. Nice. I've been a million times since, um, seen a lot, but the thing is when I'm hunting here in Eastern Oklahoma, if he's not bigger than that, I'm not shooting it. Yeah. Unless we need, unless we want some meat or we don't have any or something like that. Uh, or we're doing some kind of doe control. Other than that, I'm I'm not shooting it. And so we lost our lease this past year. Oh, bummer! And they sold they sold us to Cherokee Nation, the Indians, and um, they're making it public right now. Okay. And uh, which is it's just stinks. So my kind of thing, my thing is, I took a year off. I'm like, I want to go on trips from now on. I want to go to other places. I want to I want to experience things. My my grandpa's got grizzly, elk, all kind. He's got everything. Wolves. And his, uh, in his big man cave, he's got big mouths that are like glass enclosures. Like it's, it's the real deal. And that's the stuff, all kinds of, I don't know what those sheep are called. I mean, he's got it all. Yeah. <laughs> those mountain sheep, those ones that are like, I don't know what they are up in like so Montana. There's doll sheep. They're the white ones. Yeah. They, they've got stone sheep, bighorn sheep. And then there's. He's got some bighorns. I know he has some bighorns. Yeah. And then mountain goat are like the white wizard, mm -hmm. long hair. <laughs> So, so that's my, that's my, in a nutshell, the buck story. Nice, man. I know, yeah. I know your buddy's pain because I was tracking this deer on my property uh, mm -hmm. or the property that I have access to. And this buck had showed up multiple times, given me so many like perfect pictures of it. I had a name for it. He was in there pushing around other bucks all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, man, mm -hmm. I'm going to connect with the biggest buck of my life this year. I was so pumped. And I didn't see him all season long. I'm like, where the heck did he go? I don't know where he is. Maybe he's chasing does around, whatever. Hopefully he shows back up in late mm -hmm. archery season. And it wasn't until like the following spring, it was Easter weekend. I think I went out on like Saturday morning to fish at this pond and mm -hmm. I meet up with this guy. I'm talking to him. And I was like, man, I was chasing around this giant eight point last year. And I mean, just a freak deer. Haven't seen anything like it around here. He's like, hold on. You said it's an eight point. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, did it have like 16 inch G ones and twos? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh man, one of the neighbors shot that. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, no. I'm like, where, where did he shoot it? And he, <laughs> he told me where it was. And I'm like, dude, that's like three and a half miles away. And oh my gosh. he just, yeah, opening day of rifle season, it walked right in front of him. He dropped it. And so the thing had been dead for months <laughs> and I was still just and like fingers crossed, hoping it. like, oh, he's going to come back. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I know the feeling. I would never fault that guy because if I was him, <laughs> I would have done the same thing. He was, he was mad. I mean, I get the frustration, but he was mad and we're back friends again, but it was a while. He wasn't talking to me. Oh yeah. See, I, like could, I knew, like I knew he was seeing it. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I could, I could see it if it was like you went and hunted on his property, he invited you mm -hmm. and then you yeah. shot the deer. But the fact that you were like eight miles away, there's no, t you're not going to be like, man, I saw this deer, but I thought it might've been the one you were after. So I didn't shoot, you know, <laughs> I know I got a couple, I got a couple invites, uh, to spots this year. And they were like, but if you see him, him and him, you can't shoot him. And I'm like, all right, just go. Yeah. I was like, I'm not so, worry about it. So basically you want me to shoot does and small bucks. Otherwise yeah, I can't. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I know that yep. feeling. So so you grew up hunting. You mm -hmm. deer hunted, you said multiple times, shot a lot of does. What uh what's your number one? Like if you could go out and hunt anything right now, what would it be? 
So I'm big on sport and I grew up skeet shooting and we had a gun club close to me about 20 miles away that we were members of growing up. And I mean, it became a sport with me, my dad, my brother. I mean, we got to the point, you know, we go with, with there's a, I don't know if, if any of your people are familiar with like a high house, a low house, and you got one in the middle. And I mean, we get to where it's 24 out of 25, 25 out of 25. It just became it was the most fun I could have with it. That's dog. awesome. I loved every second of it. And in turn, I grew up avidly dove, dove hunting. And the sport of dove hunting was so fun to me. Um, we would go and we would just kill it. My grandparents had some land out in uh, um, East. So I'm from South Oklahoma, Eastern Oklahoma, just west of there. They had some land. And we just kill it every year. Limit out every year. No problem. Um, you know, that Labor Day. And so that was the way I grew up. I, I love quail hunting. I love pheasant hunting. Um, there's just not, there's just not either around here. Anymore. Yeah. Um, we go to Kansas if, if we're in Nebraska. And so um, the dove started to kind of fizzle out over the past few years around here. But if I could do anything, um, dove or quail, I, I want the sport of it. I, I want the, I want them shooting across my face right here and just drilling them down. That's, that's yeah. my favorite thing. Absolutely love it. Man, I fell in love with dove hunting when I moved down to Missouri. Growing up in Wisconsin, mm -hmm. we never did it. And I don't know how many people do it up there. I know it's mm -hmm. kind of common, but definitely whitetail with a gun is king mm -hmm. up there. I mean, like 600,000 hunters on opening weekend are out hunting. But when I moved down to Missouri, I had some friends and they're like, hey, dude, you want to go dove hunting? I was like, I guess sure like i don't it know it doesn't how, sound fun like no. it doesn't sound as fun as it is no in my mind like some some dudes over there at a wedding like releasing <laughs> birds and i'm in a field three three <laughs> properties down just blasting it out of the sky and they're like no man it's nothing like that come out and and we'll show you what it's all about so we go to this public land and they're like dude we got to get up early i mean real early like mm -hmm. 2 a.m we'll get out to our spot because there's so many people out there and i'm like all right i'm used to that i'm used to waking up mm -hmm. early for duck hunting i've uh, public land hunted plenty of species to where you know you get mm -hmm. out there before anyone else so we get out there and i brought i think i brought a box and a half of shells and the limit's 15. Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden these birds start flying <laughs> and it's just like, it's world war three out there, man. Just boom, 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 boom. You're getting rained down with pellets the whole time. And I burned through that box and a half. Luckily I got my limit and I mm -hmm. had a couple shells that I gave to my buddy who ran out of shells. And he's like, dude, this is insane. I couldn't reload my gun fast enough. And sure enough, you couldn't like you'd be shooting, you'd be reloading and you're missing mm -hmm. four or five birds as they're coming by and that's how it used to be here yeah we started we started going back there every year i mean i think my friend group has gone there probably like eight years in a row now mm -hmm. and every year it seems to be pretty good like that this the past two years it was slower we still had plenty of opportunities to get our limits if we had shot better mm -hmm. but i i don't know that has has been and will always be a tradition for us now and it's something that i never thought i would get into that that's awesome and and similar to that with kind of like my family and some of my grandpa's friends growing up like it was the same group we had our spots i mean we there's the big field out there you know i always had my spot on the north side of that field right there had buckets set up and i never we never would run out of, we had so we had a buckets full of shells i mean we weren't going to run out of anything and um it was so fun and i, I hate that it's gone here now because my like my oldest son is eight and I'm starting to get him. He's, 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 he's learning the gun, you know, gun safety and going through all of that. And we've been kind of going through it, but I'm ready for him to get the experience. That's when I was little, when I was younger than him, I was already out there shooting them. Oh, and yeah. so I, I hate it, but maybe they'll come back. We'll see. They had a few this year, um, but I was out of town when they had the, the hunt and ended up being my grandpa and my uncle. And that was it. Oh, when man. that thing used to get handle 15 people out there, you know, just kind of keeping them all in this big, big field. Yep. And um, they were going all over the place like that. It looked like, it looked like I always tell people it would look like, like the old World War, World War II movies where all the helicopters would come flying over the mountains. <laughs> yep. And you got all these birds just going, and it's just a free for all. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. It, it blew my mind because, I mean, in my, growing up waterfowl hunting, you see birds, but. Mm -hmm. Typically, you'll see, you know, 15, 20 birds. You might have stragglers all throughout the morning. But with doves, it mm -hmm. was 
nonstop action. It's like you wouldn't go more than five seconds on opening weekend without hearing a gunshot. And you wouldn't go more than 15 seconds without having some someone yeah. close to where you're like, hey, right behind, right behind, coming from the right. And I love that. I love the communication. Mm-hmm. That's Yes. We, we ran into an issue this year where there were a bunch of people hunting right in front of us. I mean, like they set up right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And on the public land, they say it's a 45 degree rule. Don't shoot below 45 degrees because there's other people out there, which mm-hmm. everybody I hunt with is pretty smart when it comes to gun safety. But we, we got to a point where we were communicating with like 10 different groups of people that we had no, we didn't know anybody from those groups, but it was like, Hey Bill, you guys have some coming up behind you. And they're like, thanks man. They shoot him. And then they're like, Hey, coming from your left. And so it's like the whole time you're just hearing everyone yelling commands to everyone else. Like they're coming up, they're behind the trees mm-hmm. they're coming down the line. And the camaraderie of it, even with, strangers became mm-hmm. a lot of fun to us as well. That's awesome. And and that's was, it was so great about all of us knowing where our spots were. Like, you know, when one's coming or one's heading this direction, you know, who's in that spot. But I would say if you haven't been rained on by pellets, you haven't been dove hunting. So yeah. <laughs> it's just, gonna, it's inevitable. You're going to get that. You're going to get that hit. Um, we always have, but yeah, it's fun. Now you're making Man, you, You'll have to come up uh, right before we started recording. We discovered that we only live a couple hours from each other. So it'll be sweet, yes. man. If you want to come up and get on a dove hunt or even I'm going to maybe even this next month plan a trip up to like the Dakotas and do a pheasant mm-hmm. hunt with some friends. Oh, uh, man. They, they've been trying like to that. get me to go up there. They were some of my first guests that I didn't know before the <laughs> podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my podcast and they were like, dude, you got to come up and do some waterfowl and upland bird hunting. They train dogs for quail, pheasant, chucker, mm-hmm. you name it, uh, grouse. And so he's like, dude, if we go out to the Dakotas, like South Dakota, we could hunt mm-hmm. three different upland birds all in the same area. So if I, I get just a kick out of watching the dogs, mm-hmm. they are, they are fun. My dad used to train those when he was a kid. Um, that, that is, that is entertainment to me. I, um, I have a story. I don't, I, one thing I've missed out on in life is duck hunting. Yeah. Um, I went, I went twice and, um, and I apologize. There is literally, uh, a fight fixing to happen outside of my office window. Oh, man. Um, yeah, a guy just got up just jumped out of a car while I was moving and, um, they're yelling at each other. <laughs> um, I had a bad experience when I was younger duck hunting and I love birds and I love it. I just, I I don't know why it's just never been something I've had an interest in doing since then, but I would love to, at some point, I'd love to go duck hunting, do that. We went on a guided pheasant and quail hunt in Oklahoma about six or seven years ago. And it was so bad. And it was so bad that I had to walk up to the pheasant and kick it to move. Oh, I was like, this isn't fun. No, I was like, I could catch this thing with my hands and, and just beat it with my gun. I was like, this isn't fun at all. Um, so I miss it. We used to, Nebraska, we used to go to Nebraska as a hunt and it was really fun. I really enjoyed that. I, I love old birds and, and kind of the sport of it. So it's, it's great. I do have one. I know we're kind of off the, uh, the, the deer topic, but let me go. I'm going to tell them a story that they're going to laugh at. And if my dad ever hears this podcast, Podcast is going to be the one time. So when I was younger, my dad about ruined hunting for me. He was psychotic. So we just we had these tripods um, at the time. Just you know, just your typical tripod. Get your seat that rotates three sixty degrees, and you got your railing in front of you. Well, I was don't quote me eight nine maybe. He would get me out to my stand at least an hour and a half before daylight. I was a kid, no cell phone, no watch. No, nothing. I had nothing. You know, nowadays I could survive and make it. I didn't know what time it was, nothing. So hour and a half, I'm sitting there. I just turn around and go to sleep. I just go to sleep for a while. I mean, what am I going to do? I'm not. I'm eight yeah. years old. I don't know what I'm just see deer, shoot deer. That's all I know. And so it's about 10 o'clock at this point. He still hasn't come. And I don't know where he's at. I can't communicate with him. I don't know when he's coming. I guess I don't even know what time it is. <laughs> I found out. I was so tired. I was so done. 
was a kid. I had to pee, like everything. Like I was just, I was just done. It's freezing cold. So I knew there was one way that I would get him to come get me. Shoot. <laughs> I gotta shoot. Oh I know if he's, if I shoot, he's going to come because he knows where I'm at and he knows what, he knows my gun. So <laughs> right in a tree and I just fire right into a tree. And of course I wasn't going to tell him that. And so I had to live with at least four years of the entire, um, the entire, everybody that's on that lease. We all kind of had a little spots in the cabins and things. So that evening I had to tell everybody I missed the deer. And that's what happened because I didn't want to tell my dad, Hey, I just shot. So you can come get me. I didn't have the heart to tell him. Yeah. And he comes and gets me. He goes, what happened? I was like, man, it was, a, I told him it was a doe. Like, I didn't try to just make it a huge, oh, yeah. one a huge buck. Or I was like, it's a doe. I was, I, you know, <laughs> I, I saw her, she was right there. I don't know what happened. I guess I just shot right over. And so I ended up telling my grandparents and my cousins and my uncles, all that later. My dad still has no idea. I shot that day just so he would come get me oh, because I was done, man. Like I'm a kid. I'm out there for four and a half hours, freezing my ass off. And with nothing, I yeah. didn't see anything that day. It was no fun, not even turkeys, not, not anything. And, um, so I, I quit hunting for about three years, probably close to that age, just cause I just, it was, I was done with it. And then I started back and I started back every day, like every morning during season, every evening that I could go and been fortunate enough to be an entrepreneur and kind of be able to get to do my own thing and go when I want. And so it's, it's been fun this year or last year was, it was hog year with the fields enough full of hogs and oh, turkeys yeah. more than I saw deer last year. Um, got a lot of hogs. So, but my grandpa, I've told you about fly helicopters and they do those shoots, the no hog shoots out of the that's helicopters. Awesome. And I've never got to do one yet, but that's something that's definitely on my list to do. Yeah, that would be a ton of fun. Do you guys do you guys have open season on hogs? Like you can shoot them anytime, no regulations. Uh, yeah, there's there's some regulation. Let's just say that there's yeah. there's some. Um, they've got. I guess my grandpa had to go get some permit, and there's certain areas that they target, and they're and they're cool with because I guess enough people, enough farmers, or whoever weren't there disturbing, kind of they they go and get this permit in that field in their area, you can go do whatever you want. And that's just kind of how it's been around here. Yeah. So, All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called bull elk beard oil. Now, if you spend any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain or in the marsh or in the woods, you felt the effects of the wind, the sun and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention it smells great, so now when I get home after a week of elk hunting, my wife can't complain as much. I need to tell you though, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he's an awesome guy. He makes all of this by hand in North Dakota out of clean products. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even something awesome like helping donate money to cover the surgery costs of duck dogs he's an amazing guy and he makes an amazing product so go check out bull elk beard oil and you can get 20 percent off with the code nomadic it used to be open season on them here but they they've switched away from that and now i don't even think you can legally shoot them on public land anymore here because they said basically what it does it splits the pigs up it makes it harder for the department of conservation mm-hmm. to trap them if they're all scattered where normally sure. if they put out those round traps, they can potentially get, you know, 40 of them in mm-hmm. a trap at one time. But if you split up the yeah. family groups, it makes it harder. Luckily where we're at in Missouri, I haven't seen any sign of hogs on any of the really? properties that I hunt. Now I know there's been some not that far away. The guy who runs cattle on the property I hunt, he, uh, He's got more property to the west of us, and he said he just talks to the Amish community around there, and they come in mm-hmm. and just wipe them all out. He's like, I'll have four or five of them show up. I go tell them. They come over, shoot everything they see, and then take it, and and they're gone. So, uh, I mean, I the last one, the last day that I saw them last year, the, it, it started off with the mama and some babies, and another one, 
it ended up, I got a picture. I'll show you one day. There's probably 60 of them out there. Like, I mean, there's just tons of them. And so I was texting one of the guys that, that kind of owned that land. Yeah. I was like, what do we do? I was like, I don't know what to do here. Like, this is the worst. I just need to go. Like, I'm about to just make a bunch of noise and let him out of here. I'm going to leave. And uh, he goes, find the biggest mom and shoot her. I was like, you sure? So, I mean, I won't tell you what but <laughs> we, they left. Yeah. And so <laughs> they didn't come back. I, I did one hunt in Oklahoma for hogs, but it was definitely mm-hmm. not like what you would experience. This was, yeah. I think, 80 acres. This guy would catch hogs out on anybody's property. Like he had leases where he'd go catch them Mm -hmm. and then he would release them into this high fence area. And then you could pay to come and just shoot the hogs. And it was a bunch of guys from church and they were like, man, you should come out with this. They found out that I was a hunter. And so I went out with Mm -hmm. them and they're like, you can bring your bow. You can bring a shotgun, a rifle, you just, they wouldn't let you use ARs or pistols because I was gonna ask. Yeah. yeah, they're like, you can't use those because people get like trigger happy and they'll just shoot a dozen <laughs> times. And all of a sudden I got five yeah. pigs running around wounded that we have to go finish off. And so anyways, we get out there and the guy, I had such a hard time understanding what he was saying, but he's just, he sounded like that farmer from Napoleon dynamite, you know? who just like, he kind of mumbles, like talks about Shoshone arrowheads or whatever. And so he like points in this direction and tells me to go there. So I start walking and all of a sudden I've got 50 pigs just coming down the trail Mm -hmm. towards me. So I like tuck back behind this tree. We could only each shoot one pig. And so I like, I tuck back behind this tree and I'm waiting. And then I get my gun propped up get it on the biggest pig there. And I'm thinking, man, I'm like 10 minutes into the day and we're here for like nine hours. Mm-hmm. If I shoot right now, I'm going to have nothing to do all day. So I end up stepping out, just kind of scaring the pigs off. They all run off except for about a dozen piglets. And mm-hmm. I'm talking like smaller than a football piglets. They mm-hmm. run underneath this dead log and they just pass out 15 yards from me. So I walk over and I'm looking at them. Like I could literally pick them up. I have pictures and videos on my phone of them directly below my feet. And, uh, I'm sitting there and I start thinking about it. I'm like, man, if mama pig comes back and these things start squealing, she's coming after me. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to go walk around this 80 acres, see if I can shoot a pig. We all ended up shooting the pigs or shooting pigs that day. It was a ton of fun, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, these guys trap pigs that are already a problem, mm-hmm. throw them in a pen and then charge people like me a couple hundred bucks to come and shoot them. And they told us, they're like, we're booked out every day of the year, 10 hunter minimum, which we had 10 guys out there. So I think altogether we paid them $2,500 and they do that every day of the year. And I'm thinking I'm in the wrong business. I should just be oh, transporting shit. pigs into a high fence, 80 acre field or where was it? You said this is Oklahoma. This was in Oklahoma. I'll have to find out exactly where it was, but that was probably five years ago, maybe. Um, yeah, that was the one and only time I ever business. went. So I don't know. That seems like something that would be regulated a little bit. That should be maybe regulated. I don't know. Oh, that man. seems too easy. They did. They did. <sighs> I mean, they made money hand over fist. It was like, oh, for another forty dollars, we'll like butcher the pig for oh, you so, yeah. and they did it right there in front of us it took them like five minutes it was like i mean they were so used to doing it and i was mm-hmm. like man what do you guys do with the carcasses and this guy dave that i was hunting with he's like dude you don't want to see and he's like it's a field that they have gone and yeah. dumped these carcasses in that over the course of a couple of years has thousands of dead pigs and he's like it's basically a giant soup pit of rotting pigs. And I'm like, all right, this definitely, I feel like you should have to have an incinerator if you're going to be running an operation mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Can they just burn it, it somehow? Oh yeah. So that's how we, we grew up on, on my grandparents' ranch and like when, you know, cows die just sometimes and they just yep. they burn them. Like you just burn them, get rid of it, you know? So oh, yeah. Cool. Yep. <laughs> they did that on my main hunting property last year. I was kind of bummed because I got into rabbit hunting with my buddy. Mm-hmm. He has a couple beagles. And so we would go rabbit hunting. There was this one pile. We kicked out like seven rabbits out of this thing in one day. It was awesome. Well, last year when that big freeze happened, it happened all mm-hmm. across, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. 
basically the whole southern half of the state. Well, I was out coyote hunting one day and discovered that there was about a half a dozen dead cows down there that froze to death. And so they ended up piling all these dead cows on that brush pile that was perfect for rabbit hunting, burning the whole brush pile. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, there goes my best rabbit spot. But yeah, yeah. I need to go coyote hunting. That's what I want to do. Dude, come on up, man. We, we get them all the time here. They're, I've got a thousand trail camera pictures of coyotes. I'm not going to lie. I'm pissed. Like I would be there right now. I could have left this morning when I left my house. I'd already been there. Oh yeah. We gotta, we gotta figure out something. Um, I'll come back up. Maybe we can do a part two. I'll come back up when we could go actually hunt or do, you know, hunt something. Just give me something to hunt and, um, maybe record something and we gotta do that for sure. Yeah. That'd be super awesome. Um, yeah, come on up. We, I mean, we've got coyote hunting open from now until this spring. So anytime okay. we want to, we'll, we'll sit down and record a podcast and go shoot some stuff. Let's, let's do it. Unfortunately, that's, that's all I want. Unfortunately, all upland birds, I think are out of season now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we can, we can get after hey. some other stuff. Hey, I'm good with anything. I just want to shoot. I haven't got to shoot in a while. Um, anything, honestly. And so I need to get back into it. I yeah, got, I'm starting to do business and got some things going on, and I just kind of let it let it all go. Yeah, tell me about that. What um, what do you have coming out? I know you you mentioned launching a business here soon. Yeah, we um, so it's called Comfort Zone Vacation Rentals. I do a lot of real estate investing, and that's oh, cool. kind of been my main focus for the past few years. I, I was a banker, and then I left it to go and do real estate. And right now I'm focused on like Airbnb type properties. So we go live in the next couple of weeks. Um, got a few things to, to uh, some loose ends that we got to tie up and then we're ready to go. So we're going to be managing other people's properties and my own, um, but managing Airbnbs and, and um, all types all around the country. So it can all be done remotely and all the software ready. And the best thing is, is, you know, I've been talking to people. I said, I've got this platform that I've built, why not maximize this platform that I have? So my selling point, you know, if somebody has rental properties that they wanted us to manage on their vacation rentals, well, how many people are going to manage your property that can reach millions of people every single day to show your property off? I was like, I've got 730,000 people and 73 on Instagram. That's that, that gives me the opportunity to make you more money. So that's all we're here for is we're here to make them more money. And so how can we increase your bottom line? And that's, that's what I want to do. And, um, we've got all the tools in place and staff ready to go. So I'm pumped up. I'm excited. Um, something new, always like something new, new adventure. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Did you think, did you think that social media would take off? Like, did you go into the whole social media game with any type of plan or did it blow up out of nowhere? I got, and, I, and I'm finding this to be a typical answer right now. I have a daughter, she's 10. And she wanted TikTok. And this was a couple of years ago. She was eight or nine at the time. And I was like, let me get on there and let me see if it's appropriate. And it didn't take me very long to figure out no. Uh, I was like, you're not getting TikTok. Yeah. And I, I was one of those users, six, seven, eight, five, four for probably six months. Yep. And then finally I changed it, put my name on there. It was different than what it is now. And um, made a few videos. Had no idea what I was doing. Just talking about like I was trying to build my current business. So I was like, oh, I'll just talk about what I'm doing. An entrepreneur, investing, and nothing. I never, never took off. Very cringy. I've already deleted them. You'll never see them on the, <laughs> on the internet. I can promise you that. And then I started finding trends around April of 2020, right after quarantine, right when quarantine started happening. Yeah. And it was just, it just four or five videos a day and started going every, it was just, it's grown every day since April of 2020. Jeez. Like, I mean, minimum, minimum 400 followers a day since April, 2020. Holy God. And it's, but it's all about staying consistent and stuff like that. It's, and, and once I figured out how to be relatable and the slide that we talked about earlier, <laughs> that, those two things, I just stay with it. I don't try to do anything else. And no, I never expected any of this. I don't understand it. I don't understand going to Chick-fil-A and they're like, Hey, are you Matt from TikTok or start? I've done a Starbucks, McDonald's drive throughs the mall, weird places. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's not, it's just me. It's me. I'm a weird person like all of y'all. And I just got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just got lucky. And now, but now I need to take advantage of it. So that's yeah. what we're trying to do. The, the fame is the weird part about social media. Like you can be, yes. you can become famous instantly 
even though mm-hmm. you're not like the dude driving around in a Lamborghini and a $5 million <laughs> square foot house. Like, four truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like we're everyday people. And then when all of a sudden people look at you as if you're someone super important because uh, you make a stupid video about hunting or you slide down the hallway in a cowboy hat, like it it's, blows my mind. <laughs> had to throw that cowboy hat in there. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I can walk around target and nobody knows who the hell I am unless they doesn't know me for being me. Yeah. But I can go to a random spot and have somebody hollering across the street. It's like, like it's, and I, I appreciate every one of them because if it wasn't for followers and people that love my stuff, I wouldn't be here and we would have never met and everything else. And, but it's just crazy to think about it. It blows me away. I'm like me, like who <laughs> we went to a TikTok meetup in Vegas and back in April of 21. And it, it did. It, it truly, cause at that time I, I wasn't the biggest, but I was one of the bigger ones there yeah. out of there was thousands of people there. And it was like, I have picture after picture of signing shirts and all this stuff. It it's amazing. It's awesome experience, but I just don't understand it. Like, because it's just me, like, it's just me trying to just stand behind the screen and make videos. I, yeah. I don't, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It always amazes me every single day. Yeah. It really does. It's cool. It's a cool tool. And yeah. if used properly, it can do a lot for yes. someone. So if you're not, if, if, unless they just don't want to, if you're not monetizing it, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. There's, there's a way to monetize with every following. If you got at least something, yep. um, you can take advantage of it. So, but not everybody, people just want to have fun. Me, I want to have fun, but it's also like a job. I mean, it really is no matter how you slice it. So yep. treat yeah. it that way. I can't imagine putting this much time and energy into a platform like that without having some type of return. And I know there are those people out there that they're like, oh man, I just don't care to monetize it. And I'm like, if it wasn't for that side of it and the connections that I make for the podcast, mm-hmm. I wouldn't waste my time on it, to be no. completely honest. I'd be a consumer, not a contributor. Yeah, I did it. I did it in quarantine out of boredom. But when it took off, you know, I started to make some merch. I was always trying to figure out ways to capitalize on it, but keeping my integrity of my platform. And, you know, there's too many people getting taken advantage of out there. I am up front. I'm honest. I'm real with all of my followers all the time to let them know, like I do ketones. So I don't know if you've heard of the ketones. I've been doing that. I was one of the first ones to do that. Yeah. And I was up front. This is my experience. I love it. If you don't, no big deal. I'll, 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 I'll return your money, whatever. And we've had tons of great experiences about that, but I'm honest, like I'm using it. I'm drinking it every single day. And, and so things like that, like I, if I don't fully back it, I'm not going to do it. Yep. And I've landed five brand deals now that have salary salaries attached to them that are really cool. It's a great opportunity and I get to keep my content the same. That's I don't have cool. to change for anybody and I'll never, I'll never do that. So yeah, that's so, yeah. super awesome, man. Well, congrats on all that success. It's been every day I see your face. So it's weird to actually talk to you. Because it's like every day I open it up and I'm checking notifications and there you are just sliding right in front of me. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm talking to him next week. This is this is going to be fun. Well, you know how many times I've seen a different variation of a video. My husband quit his job to do a hunting podcast. Oh, yeah. I've seen that video a thousand times, too. I love your stuff. So it's it's great. And I'm man, I'm I'm excited that you asked me to be on here as much as I was like. And I'm not going to provide any value, but maybe I can at least provide some entertainment. So. Man, it's all, it's all about the stories. That's what I'm, that's what I'm in it for. I enjoy the stories. We do some educational stuff like, Hey man, this might help you be more successful out in the field for deer or duck or turkey mm-hmm. or whatever. But for the most part, it's stories. I, I got into listening to podcasts because I like the stories. Once they delve mm-hmm. deep into like, man, if you don't wear this type of camo or if you don't blow this duck call, like you're not going to kill anything. Forget yeah. that. I just want to hear what happened out there. You were out there, mm-hmm. you came back with an awesome animal. Let's hear the story of it. So um, it. There, I've got a question that I ask every person that's a guest on the show. And that is if you could go and hunt anything anywhere with any weapon, what would it be? I, this may be, you know, I, want, I don't want to get too exotic, but I, my dream is to elk. I, I, I want to elk hunt. I've never yeah. got to. Um, my grandpa, you know, he's getting older, but I want to be able to go with him 
Um, and you know, I don't have a location destination, you know, um, I want to take my rifle and I want to go freaking elk. That's what I want to do. And it's, they just, they mesmerize me. You know, I just, you know, it's just something about it. I want to do it. I want to go. And, you know, I've seen them up close or somewhat up close, but never in a situation where we hunt them. And so that's, that would be my, my dream hunt. I, I, I would love to go kill a grizzly bear or something cool. Like yeah. I, I would, or a wolf, <laughs> but, um, but I want to do elk hunt. Yeah. Elk is a lot of fun. It was a dream come true when I first got to go out there, but there's something mm-hmm. about the size of them, the size of the herds, the landscape mm-hmm. they're in, and then the sound they make. Because yes, I was yes. so underwhelmed when I went moose hunting with my buddy. Mm-hmm, we went really? out and he's like, yeah, I'm going to do a moose call real quick. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm excited to hear this. <laughs> and I didn't do my research leading up to it. And he just goes, mm-hmm. whoa. whoa. <laughs> and I'm like, you're kidding me. There's like a 1,500 pound <laughs> moose out here that could kill me with one swipe of the antlers. <laughs> and that's the sound it makes. It was it was kind of disappointing, I would say. But elk, yeah. man, you can hear those things bugle from a mountain range away. I know. Uh, hopefully, it's on my list, on the top of my list. So hopefully, it gets it. What? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming you grew up hearing all the different stories of your grandpa hunting all the different places. Is there one that sticks out to you? Did, did it have to do with elk, and is that why you're interested? In no, um, actually. He was, he was on a grizzly hunt and I wish, you know what? And, and it's not going to do your, your listeners any, any justice right here. Um, but he's in the hunt full magazine, his oh, story nice. on one of his hunts. Let me, we're going to, this will be a part two for you. How about yeah. that? When we do a part two, I'll bring that article with me and let you kind of go over it. You could summarize that story probably better than me. Um, but we'll talk about that story. Um, it's an unfull magazine. Him and his, his, one of his best friends. Uh, we're on this hunt and it was, you know, for, for a man in his seventies, all the walking and backpacking, like they, they're out, it's out off the reservation. Yeah. There's no cell phones. There's no service. There's no houses. There's no bathrooms for days. Like it is, they're out there. Like it's 18, 1850. Yeah. And all they're doing is got their guns and the animals. And so it's, and there's, and he's in his seventies when it's going on walking, Jeez. all this stuff. So let me get that magazine. They've got a few copies at his house. I'm okay. going to get that. When I come up there, I'll bring it up to you. We'll do a part two. Yeah. I think, I think we, uh, we'll just schedule like two years of podcasts out. Me and you, we'll do mm-hmm. a part two where we dove hunt. We read the magazine. Yes. Our part three will be an elk hunt out West somewhere. <sighs> and then we'll just go from there. Let's do it. 100%. You schedule that thing. I'll make it happen. I'll be there. Deal. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Right, good. Well, man, I really appreciate you taking the time, hopping on the podcast with me. Um, like I said, hey, it's all about you. connecting with other hunters, sharing stories, and um, I look forward to episodes two and three, I guess. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Let's do it. Um, keep me posted. And uh, like I said, we're a couple hours away. So anytime I can head up there. Sounds good, so. man. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And what a bummer that he lives only like two and a half hours away or something like that. He could have come up here. He could have gone on a hunt and then recorded the podcast. But unfortunately, that didn't work out. As you heard, though, we've already got two more podcasts scheduled after a couple pretty sweet hunts. So I'm excited to see if that actually happens. Um, I will say I am recording this outro a few days after we actually sat down and talked. And so this morning... I went out to deer hunt with my buddy Drew. We hung a new double set up yesterday, um, hanging in the same tree, figured it'd be sweet. If a doe came in, I could record for him. If a buck came in, he could record for me. And we only have one more day left to hunt tomorrow the 15th, and that is it for whitetail season here in Missouri. So we get set up this morning, don't see a single thing. I mean, we sat for a couple hours. The wind seemed to be pretty good. It was a light wind. Um, it was blowing perfect at first and then there was like a slight swirl to it, but really not a strong wind at all. And we were about to climb down 
after not seeing anything and Drew looks over and he's like, dude, somebody's over there taking pictures of my truck and my license plate. And so we decided to climb down right away, start walking over there. And we were probably, I don't know, three or 400 yards from the, from the road. And so by the time we got over there, the guy was gone. We drive down the road and we see him walking his dog, stop and talk to him. Super friendly guy, actually a neighbor. And he is the one that killed Big Easy. So the big buck I was after years ago, I've talked about him on the podcast before. I found out that this was the guy. So now we are mortal enemies. No, I'm just kidding. He was actually really cool. We talked quite a bit. And uh, he was just taking pictures because he thought maybe one of his son's friends was hunting and they thought they were hunting on his property, but they were on the wrong property. So no issues whatsoever. Then we head back towards my buddy Tim's house and I see a giant coyote out in the field that one of the fields that we have access to. So I'm like, dude, book it over there. Drew had Drew has his AR with him in the truck. And so we cross the road, go tuck up underneath this cedar tree that the cows have kind of like tore up. And so it's probably three feet of nothing at the base of the trunk. We set up there. I call for less than a minute, maybe like 30 to 45 seconds. And this coyote is coming on a line. It like snuck through the woods, went to our downwind side and started working its way up towards us and got to like 40 yards. And I lean over to be like, dude, you better shoot him. He's about to wind us. And if he does, he's gone. And as I kind of lean over, Drew shoots. And I didn't know at that point if the coyote was still moving um, when he pulled the trigger or not. And it turns out it was. And I don't know if it started to get spooked or what, but Drew ended up missing the shot. And I'm bummed about that because it worked out so perfectly, but I'm also kind of excited. Now I have something to give Drew crap for, for a long time. Um, All that to say, it was a fun morning. I'm not looking forward to tomorrow being my last whitetail hunt of this season, but oh well, bring on deer pressure here it comes. Um, Be on the lookout though. We've got merchandise coming out soon and I can't wait to share all of that with you guys. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.